All right, guys. As you know, the USA Nationals is this weekend to continue the month of money in the original crown jewels, I should say. Obviously, there's like $50,000 to win races no matter what every other weekend, it seems like, here in 2022. But I had to get my boy on, Jason Fager, to preview the USA Nationals up in Cedar Lake this weekend and, you know, talk a little bit about other things. Jason, it's been a busy month, to say the least, for you guys. How are you guys preparing? Are you guys ready? And how are you feeling about going into this weekend? Uh, yeah, actually, I feel like we're uh, pretty prepared. We uh, we kind of took a little bit off, not much off, but like we just uh, had one weekend, be the weekend before the PDC, uh, stayed close to home, um, just trying to uh, uh, get geared up for this big push that we got to, with the PDC in the next coming week. So, uh I feel good. And, you know, we, we got out of February uh, in really good shape. You know, we were pretty good there and didn't really tear anything up. So, uh, feeling good. Did you feel like you were uh, Moses in the Red Sea during that heat races from second or 17th to 2nd? You just had a great run there and everybody was, uh, you know, standing and clapping. You could probably feel the environment. But you had a good weekend overall, February, like you just said. But that man, that heat race or prelim feature, you were dialed in to say the least. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, the car was definitely really good on uh, on Friday night, and uh, I couldn't believe the gun takers were uh, staying on the top and left that bottom open for me, but uh, they did, and I uh, was able to just pick them off one by one and uh, rolled right up through there. How hard is it for you and your race team to, you know, finish Saturday night, head home Saturday night, Sunday morning, back to Bloomington, to get the car ready to leave on Wednesday to head up to Cedar Lake? Um, it's not that bad, really, for us. I mean, we get to go home, we get to work in the air conditioner shop, uh, have a lift for the car, you know, so it definitely makes things a lot nicer for us as the guys that are on the road that don't really have a home base, it's tough for, uh, you know, we, uh, you know, we've kind of been stocking up on body panels and stuff, having stuff fresh panels ready to go, so we just knew we were going to have a quick turnaround, and, uh, you know, I got a couple buddies that'll come help, you know, when we get the house, so, uh, you know, we just kind of all hands on deck when we get it done and uh, go from there. How much fun is Cedar Lake? You've been going up there pretty much here at least a decade plus now because of the fans' fun, which we will get to in a second. But just how much fun is Cedar Lake? What do you, uh, How does it fit your driving style? Because I feel like it uh, fits a Jason Fager driving style a little bit. It seems like you always have a good time going up there. Yeah, I love Cedar Lake. You know, that fans' fun got me up there. Uh, I think it must have been 2010 uh, or 11 uh, in uh, – Ever since we went every year since, you know, and uh, uh, they got a great, uh, just a great fan base up there. Such such a great atmosphere. Everybody up there is so uh, thankful that we come up there and race there. And, uh, you know, they got a lot of racing, but they don't get a lot of racing like we have a lot of racing. You know, their season's shorter. And uh, so this is like a lot of them, a lot of those fans will have 100 because they're not going to travel so far to, to yeah. uh, Eldora and some of the other ones. So, um, hang on a second. I got to some, somebody's trying to call me. But anyway, can you still see me or no? Yep, I can see you. <laughs> All right. I don't know how to – I'm not very good at this. And anyway, so – but uh, it's great. You know, the atmosphere there is uh, just awesome. And you're kind of like camping out in the woods and, and yeah. stuff. And it's just uh, – I love being up there, you know. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, that's just uh, – it's a great track. You know, it's they throw you a little bit of curveball. I feel like they constantly are messing with the track, putting different dirt on there stuff like that so it's different year to year and then we're on different tire rules and uh you know so that always throws a little bit of a curveball into it but uh 
I love it. You know, I guess when I first went there, it reminded me a little bit of Boswell, Indiana, you know, pretty round and circular, and you could just hammer around there really hard. So, uh, you know, it's changed a little bit, especially, I think, with the tires and stuff. But uh, I still I still love going up there. They always say, like, Fairbury, they swarm the pits. But to tell the people at home who've never been up there to Wisconsin, they absolutely go swarming into the pit area. You can't even move trying to get interviews. They come out in full force to watch you guys and see you guys and get autographs after the races. Yeah, absolutely. And my hero cars up there, they call them hot shots. And, uh, <laughs> you know, every little kid knows what they are. And they come out begging for them, asking for them. And uh, we might go through more there than we do anywhere else. But uh, it is – it's awesome. Uh, uh, the fans up there are just so diehard. You know, they're definitely not just like uh, – uh, I don't know what I would say. They, they're not definitely just a one-time-a-year fan. They're diehard fans. And they, they, they love um, – they're just – it's just you feel so appreciated up there, and they truly are really grateful that we're up there supporting that event. And uh, they're so nice, and you know we have a good time. And Cedar Lake does a great job, you know, with the the sandbox there. They got a band every night yeah. inside the that sandbox arena for us to go to and hang out with. And you know, there's always plenty of alcohol and uh, a good time, you know. And they got a big fireworks show, and it's a uh, it's awesome, man. It's just it's a uh, you know, if you're a race fan, to me, I tell everybody, I know it's a long way up there, but you got to go there at least once. You know, it's a, it's a must-see event at least one time. And obviously, the driver intros are probably the coolest thing that we do. Yeah, 2010, you get the fans fun. Been pretty much going there ever since. Just how important is that to your race program? Because they get other guys even farther away, but it's still a haul for even for us from Bloomington. How important is that to get that fans fun? And now you're an all-star, you get voted in pretty much every single year, or at least you're hoping to, and you got in again this year, but just that it's a great thing they do up there. Uh, fans raising money. You guys get a lunch in that day. Like, they go full force for that as well. Yeah, the fan fund's a great deal. You know, the cool thing about it is uh, it's been through uh, three different people, I think, now, you know, uh, from where it started. You know, uh, it just, uh, you know, Rich had that idea, and he, he ran with it, and then, you know, they just – he got busy with his kids, and he passed it down. It's been passed down again. So that's how, how big of a deal it is for, uh, for them to get other drivers and stuff up there. Um, they just uh, take – so they got a lot of sponsors on that deal, and they do 50-50s, and they raise a lot of money. But, I, I mean, I think, you know, usually you aren't going to get anywhere from 1000 to 1500 1600 bucks just in the fans fund. I mean, that's huge, especially, uh, you know, with tires and fuel the way they are. I mean, that's a, that's a big help, you know. That's a – that's like starting off. And then if you can do that and make the race, you know, that makes a pretty dang good weekend, you know? So, you know, they, uh, it's awesome. You know, they just, they're very just driver friendly up there. You know, they don't charge anything for your souvenir trailers. Uh, this year they actually threw in more incentives. I think, uh, they gave out of quite a few free pit passes for teams. If you, uh, if you, uh, you know, if you committed to going up there and they could advertise you were coming, they, they give you pit passes and, uh, you know, they're constantly fixing up their facilities. You know, a couple of years ago they put in, uh, uh, paved the uh, parking spots for it for all of us it's kind of like i feel like it is like eldora in a way though it's like it right it, it's not cedar lake without rain just like eldora it's not eldora without at least you know some kind of rain and some mud there but uh so that made it a lot nicer in the pits there but you know they're just constantly fixing that place up and like i say it's just everybody it's a it definitely is a big group team effort up there all they do is it's it's awesome you are on month four of being a father so i gotta ask how's dad life going for jason fager <laughs> Uh, it's going pretty good for me. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. Abby's a rock star. She's been handling most of it. You know, we've been so busy racing. Uh, you know, obviously it's, it's got up and downs and stuff, but it's tough, but, uh, you know, it's good. She's, uh, when starting to get a little personality now, she's laughing and starting to 
make a lot of noises and she's definitely being a little more fun though, you know, but she's uh, now she's kind of constantly wanting to entertain, but luckily she wants mom more than dad. So I can uh, still focus on the, try to focus on the racing and Abby's doing a great job holding that down. So when you got, when you get tagged in to father duty, how do you balance between race car and uh, being a dad changing diapers or can you do both? You're underneath the race car while changing a diaper. I'm surely you're like a Swiss army knife with that. <laughs> I'm sure I could, but I haven't had to. I haven't had to do that yet. You know, uh, luckily, uh, you know, I got a Jason Pajelicki this year on the pit crew, and then I got Evan back, and so I got a really good crew. So it's been allowed me to, you know, not quite be in the garage as much as I normally am, or be out there as late as I am. I mean, we're still out there every day, but been able to go inside a little bit earlier than I normally would, and stuff like that. So them guys have been doing a great job as far as uh, let me be in the house a little bit more with Abby and, and Wynn. But still, uh, we, I mean. I'd say, but the race car has been still priority. You know, Abby's got that handled, so I can. She knows that's how it is. We've been handling the race car, and, and if she needs help, you know, I go up there and help her. But you know, there's definitely times she calls me and she's like, "I need help," you know, and I run up there. But it's a, uh, it's a lot. It definitely is a life changing. So Abby's the MVP. I figured that that would be a, that was a good political answer there, Jason. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, so, so we're gonna do a little. Abby career. is the MVP. Yeah, it's a little career uh, path for you. Just. How did a kid from Bloomington, Illinois, just get into racing? Uh, well, for me, obviously, my grandpa raced a whole bunch um, back when he got back from uh, the war. And, uh, you know, that led to my uncle racing and then my dad raced some, too. So it's just something, you know, I've been going to the track since I was like six months old. And I loved racing and uh, just I knew I always wanted to do it, you know, just and then after after high school sports and stuff, it's like, OK, you know, he's grandpa we're like we kind of started building a sportsman car and uh just uh you know we found an old like 300 frame laying in the wood in the, somebody's yard and we put a camaro front end on it and started building this thing together and took us about a year and a half and man i think i blew the motor the second night that my grandpa put together and just uh took me a while to get going you know and then just uh by then i kind of got out of college and started making a little bit of money and just that's all we did is work on race cars, but every time we made another race car and uh, built another sportsman and was, you know, pretty successful in our sportsman car and just um, a lot of hard work. You know, we just kept uh, kept building up and up and, you know, it's crazy. I never thought I'd be able to race for a living, let alone, you know, you never think you're even going to win a feature, let alone in a late model or be able to race for a living. So been very fortunate, but uh, it's a lot of hard work and, uh, you know, I've had a lot of fun and made a lot of good friends along the way. Yeah, you made a lot of friends along the way. That's why I love racing. So when you're just getting started, going to the races, you're in college, you're like, I think I'm going to dabble on this. What are, like, friends that weren't in the racing community? They're like, what the hell is this? Because all my college buddies that didn't know racing that were from the city, they're probably like, wait, Derek, you're covering dirt bikes, you're doing this. It was, like, their initial reaction. And then maybe you probably invited some to the race, and they're like, okay, this is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, most of my buddies, you know, we kind of always went to the races anyway just because – you know, you kind of drink some beer there underage usually, or at least you could back then. I don't know if you still can. I'm sure you probably can, but, you know, it was a little easier to get away and have some beer. So we were always, even before we uh, before we uh, were racing, we were always at the track anyway. So most of the circle I ran with, you know, they went. And then once I started racing, they loved going. You know, it was something to do for them to go and hang out with and watch me and cheer me on. And then uh, it's been a long time, and they still come now and then. But, you know, everybody gets older and has kids and families and sports and this and that. So it's uh, – you know, it's just, it just keeps going in the cycles, though, but it's, uh, it's pretty awesome. 
Where did the high side hustler come from? I don't think I even know this answer. I don't even know. Um, <laughs> it might have came from uh, – it might have came from the announcer at Boswell. I, I, I don't remember to tell you the truth. It had to either be him or Eshelman. I don't know. We'd have to ask Eshelman if he coined it or not, but I think it might have been the, the guy from Boswell, Indiana. I can't – I can't think of his name at the time, but it, it might have been him. Did you feel a lot of pressure right after you got that nickname just to constantly beat the boards? <laughs> no, no. I uh, yeah, I don't feel any pressure to be up on that top side. So, I love being on the wall. I mean, I think most drivers would actually tell you they like being up there. It's, it's definitely harder on equipment and, and a little more risky, but it's a lot more fun, I feel like, up there. You know, it's like it's crazy if I get uh, – I get nervous when I got to get close to the mute tires in the infield. You know what I'm saying? That's like torture for me as I'm sitting there sweating bullets. But if I'm up there by the wall, it doesn't bother me a bit. All right. Say 30, 40 years down the road, me and you are drinking a beer at Cadillac Jack's Western Tap Pub 2. One of, the, one of those three options will probably be hanging out, talking about racing in the glory days. And I ask you, hey, Fager, what was that first defining moment of your career? What would you say? Boy, I don't know. I mean – the biggest moment that sticks out in my head is uh, I won, I think it was $7,000 or $7,500 down at Kentucky Lake. Uh, oh, it was a spring It was a spring race. It uh, was our second year in the Bob Pierce cars. And, uh, you know, the first year, you know, it kind of was Bob's design stuff. And then uh, he's like, you do whatever you want, Fager. And, I, you know, I made some different four-bar plates. We moved some stuff. And we built these cars and actually still kind of similar to where they're at now. And, uh you know, we went down there, and it was one of the early races of the season. And, you know, I was able to, you know, like, we I don't remember where I started, but, um, you know, I had to pass some cars. And, like, I remember I passed Bob, and then I passed Moyer for the lead, and I was able to win. And I was like, holy cow, you know, I don't know that I'd ever pass Bob or Moyer at that point in my career, you know. And, like, I just remember that place, you know, you're running pretty much flat, flat-footed, and I'm going down the back stretch, passing on my legs, just a shaking. Like, my, my gas pedal head gets shaking because I'm so nervous, you know, passing them guys. And, uh you know, that was uh, – that year we went on to have just a really good year and broke out, and you know what I'm saying, that just uh, – just uh, – you know what I'm saying, I guess. But that, that one sticks out in my head, you know. But then, obviously, you know, your first outlaw win, like up at Beaver Dam, that was huge for me. And then, you know, being able to win some Lucas races, and you know. But uh, th those are, like, the biggest ones that stick out. And, obviously, the Hell Tour. But, you know, the Hell Tour is a weird deal. Like, it's awesome to say you won a championship, but – and it's hard and it's not easy by any means, but I just feel like there's so much luck involved, you know, like you've had, you've had a lot of years where I mean, you've had years where guys are dominant, like Bobby or Bab have been, but then you also got years where like, you know, you're one or two flat tire, you're leading races and blow a motor or leading a race and have a flat tire and that costs the championship. But I mean, it's just so hard to have over that many races be, you know what I'm saying? Not have a bad night or two or three take you out. And it's nothing to do because you're not fast, but, I just – I hate racing that way, but that's just how it is, you know. Yeah, and I think one of my earliest memories of you – I remember that Kentucky Lake race, but the day heat race against Bloomquist, I always bring that up to you after, like, a few beers. I just remember you leading it for most of the way, and he finally got by it, I think, towards the end of the heat. But I feel like that was, like, your kind of national scene, you know, because it was the World 100. You're like, man, who's this guy from Bloomington? Illinois, he has the tumbling dice on that, all the cool shit. He put on a show there for the majority of that race. <laughs> yeah, that that was definitely a good one. That was an awesome race, and uh, I hate day racing, but uh, that day we were pretty good, and uh, you know, just uh, you know, love racing with Scott. That was a uh, that was an awesome race, you know. So.
Yeah, 2010 when you won your Summer Nationals Championship. I'm going to read off this top five for you, and you just kind of – I want to see what you think of each driver during that year when you're racing against them, if you can remember. It could be one little snippet or whatever. All right, second, Dennis Herb Jr., which you beat him by 64 points. So it was pretty much close the entire year. Obviously, close quarter racing with the one-man band can be tough at times, but he was always very tough to race on that, on that series. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that was still the Rayburn days where, you know, him and Bab were in them Rayburn cars and, you know, they're just uh, pictures of consistency. You know what I'm saying? You know that Dennis, uh, he doesn't tear up his equipment. You know, he's going to, you know, a line he's going to be running or what he's going to be doing. And he's just always one of them guys, you just know, you feel like at the end of the night, he's always right there. He's going to be top five no matter what you do, uh, wherever, any track, wherever. He's just going to, he's always going to be there, you know, and definitely just a tough competitor. All right. Third place. Probably at the start of the summer nationals, you're like, oh gosh, we finally had him going on the national tour. Then he has to come back, but Shane and Bab gets third that year. You're like, dang it, this guy used to dominate the last previous four to five years, winning all these races. Why does he have to come back? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I think everybody would say that, you know, Bab owns the summer nationals, you know, forever. You know, it felt like he was just uh, the mainstay and was going to be everybody's pick to win every single night, you know, and, uh, he just, I think of Bab, I just think of Wheelman. You know, that guy, he can uh, definitely make anything happen, so. All right, your best bud, Jeep Van Warmer. I mean, he finished fourth. He probably wanted that title, but if he had to lose to somebody, at least it was you. <laughs> yeah, Jeep, uh, I think he had a good, you know, if I remember, he had a really good year. He, he won a lot. Of, he might have won more races that year than anybody did uh, on the tour, but uh, it goes back to that consistency and, and, and the bad luck thing, you know. But uh, Jeep was Jeep was tough, you know what I'm saying, and uh, – that means we have Jeep was there. You know what that means. We drank a whole lot of beer and had a whole lot of fun. Yeah, and at some point when you're leading the points towards the end, you're like, Jeep, I got a race tomorrow. I'm in this championship, hon. He's probably like peer pressing you a little bit, wasn't he? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, we were, we were pretty young back then, so I could we could we could run pretty hard. And then you didn't have to work on these cars like you do nowadays. I mean, we just kept racing them. You know, you didn't we weren't taking shocks and springs off and this and that. You just you just raced them. So it was a, that was a lot more fun, a lot less work. And then fifth place round and out was Ryan Unzicker, which I feel is like a, you two kind of grew up around the same, you know, generation, your age group. Yeah, you know, he probably I think he started a couple years after we did uh, in the Super Deal. But, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, Ryan uh, definitely has had a lot of success, uh, especially at certain tracks. He's always really tough to beat. And, uh, you know, I probably that would have been a – you know, I think that would have been early – pretty early for him probably you know getting going so that would have been a really good season against of course of course especially against that group of guys you know so that was a had been a good season for him and uh you know ryan's a you know another guy we've been racing against each other for a long time a, a lot of nights every year and always you know always have a i feel like we've been in a lot of good battles this year and kind of been going back and forth he's got me a few this year and i've got him a few this year so uh definitely always good to race with him yeah, I like asking this question to a lot of guys that I've seen, you know, race since I've been at Dirt on Dirt. So that was in 2010, 12 years, you know, prior, 12 years later, here we are. Do you think it's because our age that we're getting older, or do you think it's because it's so much pressure cook with all the money on the line and all the technology that people and drivers don't hang out as much as they used to? Because, like, I noticed it on the Summer Nationals, like, full-time, you know, people aren't staying together anymore. They're kind of in their own separate ways. Um, I just think it's the work. I mean, it's, it's so much like a business now. Uh, it's taking so much of the fun out of it in these cars. I mean, they, people, 
I just think a lot of people don't understand the technicality of where these cars are today and what it takes to keep them there and keep them properly maintained. Uh, you know, the difference is back back then, I feel like, you know, me or Bab could have beat half the people in a wheelbarrow. You know what I'm saying? Like, it didn't matter. You're like, you could just outdrive these guys and get up on the cushion or do whatever you had to do. But now everybody's cars are so close. You know, you just go buy a new XR1 or a new Longhorn or one of these guys, you know, with a setup right out of the box. And, and it, if it's really good, you know, if everything's right, it's, it's just hard to beat that. That's why qualifying is so important. And, uh, you know, you can be, you know, seriously, one or two you can be a quarter inch off from bump top shims or an eighth inch off, you know, or one or two turns and it can be night and day difference. You know, that could be the difference from fast time or 10th or 12th, or that could be the difference from, you know, making the show or not making the show. Right. And so to keep these things maintained and, and stay on top of the shocks and springs, it's so, it's just so much work. And then let alone just all your other maintenance. And uh, it's just, uh, it's really tough. I mean, it really has taken a lot of fun out of it. You know, you know, back then when you felt like we would, you know, back when I started, we would take a $100 shock out of the box and throw it on the car, you know, with a $35 spring. And now, you know, we got, you know, you got over $1,000 on a corner and, and it's just, it, it's a lot of work and, it, and it's a lot of maintenance and uh, it's just so much more technical. You know, we're just working in this little bitty box and if you're not right there, it's hard, but I think that's the biggest aspect. You know, it's, you know, a lot of these guys have car owners and they, they're under pressure to perform and, and it's just a, uh, it's just tough, you know. It's uh, we all want to have fun, and then I feel like the travel's worse now than it's ever been on that deal. Uh, this year wasn't horrible, but uh, yeah, it's just uh, so you just gotta get try to get down there and get to the next race so you can get to work on your stuff and try to go faster. So, do you think guys like you in five to ten years will be extinct in the sport? You know, Kevin Weaver's still doing it. You, uh, I'm trying to think of other guys. There's plenty of guys out there, but you kind of alluded to like, you know, these guys have these car owner big backings. Obviously you guys have great sponsors, no doubt, but it is still tough unless you got that big time, major, major car owner or something like that. At least that's what I'm noticing here the last two or three years. So do you think a Jason Fager type guy will be extinct here in five to 10 years? I mean, I, I'm sure you'll have some, you know, but it'll be, it's tough, you know, and then the, the, I think the thing about it is it used to be not near as much work and you had a lot more fun, you know? Yeah. And when you, I don't think people mind working hard or spending a lot of money as long as you get the reward at the end of the day. And when you work your butt off and you spend a lot of your money and you don't have any reward, it's not fun anymore. Your buddies aren't going this or that. That's what makes it tough. You know, uh, it's so easy to go do something else to have fun. Um, so I don't know. It's tough, you know, and then for like me personally, it's hard. Like I'm a race car driver and I'm a mechanic, you know, I'm not a business owner and I don't run a business and like, but yet I have to do that. So, uh, it's like, I feel like it's a lot easier when you got somebody else that can make the, uh, like when you got guys that can run, run a successful big business and they can come in and run your racing program, like a business, it's a lot easier for them to make those decisions than it is a guy like me, you know, cause I probably think a little too much with my heart sometimes. And I know that's cost me a lot of times. And then, you know, there's times where, okay, you just run third or fourth and I just keep the car in one piece because there's no sense in I can't afford to fix it and I don't have the time to fix it, you know. So there's a lot of stuff like that where I think it uh, makes it tougher on guys like us. And I think that's why you've seen some guys like Burkhofer, you know. I mean, I know he's had some other opportunities, but if you can't do it the way you want to do it, you know what I'm saying, then that's some guys just don't want to – they don't want to do it part way, you know what I'm saying. So a lot of guys are all or none, so that's why I think some guys just got to – get off but it's definitely it's definitely gonna be hard you know so if you don't have a lot of backing uh with the motor prices and the price of these cars it's definitely gonna get harder and harder now i mean 
obviously with these purses going up is good. You know, that, that's going to help, you know, especially, you know, February pays so good on a weekly show. And I think some people out of East are doing the same thing, but uh, you know, we got to, I still think we're to make our sport good. We're going to have to get, we still got to get rid of this top heavy stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we, we got to get to 10%, you know, 50,000 win needs to be 5,000 to start. That way everybody eats instead of just a couple of people eat. Yeah. But uh, you know, that, that, yeah, I think if you know if a local guy could go to February and make the race and get five grand or three grand or four grand, that's a lot, de- lot better deal than if you go there and you, you know, just don't. You gotta at least pay the bills, you know, and keep going. So uh, that that's where I think we gotta trend our sport to to help keep these guys coming in. Uh, is just get back to the, get back lower. You know what I'm saying? Some more the non qualifier stuff and and pay better start money and stuff like that to keep these lower teams going. You know, if a guy. If a guy wins $20,000, he's happy. You know what I'm saying? He's doing good. Um, but it's the guys that aren't at the back that, that spend just as much money and didn't get any return. You just took the next question out of my mouth. So I was even going to even ask. I was going to see what was, like, the one next step you wanted to see late model racing. So, obviously, pay through the purse, which would be a lot, lot better for everybody. I also had uh, Shane Clayton tell me during one lap, one beer, that nowadays the best driver doesn't win as much anymore. Is that true, you think? Or do you think that to be – is it still a little bit of both, or is the playing field like technology's here, drivers here, 20 years ago is more here? I would say that's more true nowadays than, than it used to be. Um, I just feel like, and it's still, don't get me wrong, you still see it now and then. Uh, and, you know, we saw some of February, you know, Bobby came way through there, and I mean, I came up way through there, but but it's harder. I mean, it takes the right track conditions, uh, and it just – you don't see, I don't feel like you see as many guys coming from the back to the front as you used to, you know, uh, it's tough, you know, and it's like, it's so crazy. You can watch a guy win a 20,001 race one night and not make the race the next night. You know, it's like, I don't feel like you ever used to see something like that. You know, um, it's just so, I don't know. I just feel, I do feel like we're so close and it's so technical and you know, that's where I feel like right now there's just a big divide in, uh, I don't even know what you'd say, but like the, the teams, you know, the, you look at every team that's winning major races, they have major, like not, not, they do have major financial backing, but they have the right, the right people that have been doing this their whole life that are, are very, you know, very smart and know how to do the setup stuff and know what they're watching on the race cars. They get to go test. Uh, you know, that stuff I think is the big difference, but it definitely, yeah, you definitely feel like everybody thinks we forget how to drive, you know, and it's like, it's crazy. It's like, you don't just forget how to drive, you know, like it just, it's just tough. You know, we're all out there giving, giving it, driving these things as pretty much as hard as you can every single lap. Uh, you know, back when I started, you couldn't do that. If, if these guys try to drive these cars like they do now, they'd be out of the ballpark at all these places. There's no way, you know, you would be skating and you'd never stop to hit the wall. So, you know, it's, uh, I think it just makes them a lot. They're easier to drive in one aspect to that way where you used to have to have a lot of finesse. And I think that's where the good drivers could come in. And now you don't have that as much, you know, so you can just, the harder you can drive them, a lot of times the faster they go, even in a slick. So that's a, that's a weird thing. Um, but it definitely makes it hard sometimes for, I don't know. I mean, it's just, like I say, we're all good. There's a lot, a lot of good drivers, but if you're just that little bit off, you you're probably not going to be able to – you're probably not going to be able to overdrive, you know, the mother guys to win the race. Okay, some lighthearted stuff. I got to ask you, uh, since it's training camp season, 
What's the Bears record going to be this season? A lot of people say they're trying to tank. They don't like the wide receiving core. But I need to ask super fan Jason Fager, who's more positive than Rigsby, by the way. I will say that about his team. So how are we looking for the Bears this season? Boy, I don't know. I'm not going to lie. I'm a pretty dejected fan right now. It's pretty uh, – I haven't even hardly been following anything. This is about as mad or up, not into it as I've been since I can't remember. But I'm still pumped up on Justin Fields. I mean, I think he's going to be good. I I just don't know about these coaches. Like, uh, just it's so – I don't know how you know, you know, anything. And I definitely was never a Nagy fan. I think that just killed us, you know, and uh, – I don't know. It's I really haven't even sat down and looked at the schedule and the scene. And I, I, you know, we, we lost uh, Khalil Mack. We got rid of uh, Goldman and Hicks. So I don't even know what our defense is going to be this year. But, you know, I think if this head coach is smart enough to uh, protect our quarterback and run the football, I don't see no reason why we're probably going to float around that 50, 500 mark, be 8 and 8 somewhere or whatever. It's not even 8 and 8. It was a 9 and 9. Nine, or we're at? How many games are we at? 9 and 8 or 8 and 9. They yeah, yeah. Have games. I could see us probably going either way. I could probably see us going either way right in there, but I think we just got a we got a young roster, and I don't know. I mean, but I think we got a couple of good running backs, and if we're you know, I think with the right scheme, the right line, and the right system, you know, if you can run the ball and play control it and be halfway decent, you should be all right. But I don't know. I just there's a lot of variables about our our head coach, but I from what I do have seen, I kind of like his attitude. I mean, he's more of a no nonsense guy. He's more I'd call like an old school football coach, where he's a little seems like he's a little tougher on the players, and uh, he's demanding a little bit more out of them. It's not like uh, he doesn't care if he hurts your feelings or not. He doesn't want to be your buddy. All right, would you rather have me have two Hall of Fame quarterbacks for thirty years, only win two Super Bowls, have stupid playoff luck, or would you rather be like the Bears? the lovable loser type things where you get mad at your coaches, make barely make the playoffs. Because Rigsby told me that he almost rather just be a Bears fan than what, have to go through what I do sometimes. I'm like, Rigsby, at least, at least we're in the hunt sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's I, – I don't know. I think either way it's tough. I mean, you guys got a whole other level of disappointment because you guys yeah. – I, I always joke with you that you're the worst franchise in the NFL because you've had we could be. whatever, 30, 30 years of great Hall of Fame quarterback uh, play and you got two Super Bowl rings. Like, you know, I mean, if, if either one of those quarterbacks are in the Bears, I mean, we probably have, like, you know, four or five. They're probably – who knows? Tom Brady might not have six, you know. So, uh, I don't know. You know, they've just – I feel like Green Bay's done just a horrible job of putting talent around great quarterbacks. So, you know, as a, I guess you'd be – I'd be frustrated either way, you know. <laughs> so, e- either way, it's, uh, it's not good. Yeah, football takes uh, – or makes the worst out of people and uh, depressing sometimes. So, a lot of Sundays in the fall and winter, I get depressed when we have a heartbreaking loss, and I'm sure you do too. Last Absolutely. thing is, we're both Bloomington, Illinois boys, and I always get texts and Facebook messages when they're, when they're in the area for like the Prairie Dirt, the Illini 100, you know, all the close summer national races. Where's the top places to go eat and have a drink? So I'm going to say, Jason Fager, you can be like a trip advisor. So when people listen to this, they can say, all right, we're going to go to this place and check it out. So what are the top three places, and you have to combine the food and drinks and a good time atmosphere, would Jason Fayer go to to our fans within the area next time they can go check them out? <laughs> Man, I'm, I kind of like the little dive bars, you know what I'm saying? I feel yeah. like one sucks for food. We got nothing but chains in here uh, for the most part, which drives me nuts, but uh, man, I love the Windjammer, you know what I'm saying? They always a good time there, and then uh, I really like the Spotted Dog. They have good uh, food there. 
the good food, little bitty dive bar, and then I'd have to go with the Western Tap too. Western Tap, they have like the best chicken Philly in town, in my opinion. It's pretty good. All right, guys, that was Jason Fager, who's headed up to Cedar Lake, Wisconsin today, actually. He's going to try to compete for $50,000, uh, maybe, you know, win some fans' fun money and all the good stuff, have a few bush lattes up there. Jason, thank you for taking – Make golden lights. Yeah, make golden lights. They do have them make, up there. I forget make about golden that. lights up there. They, find, they got the bush light up there now, though, but we was always cracking the make golden lights up there, which are actually pretty good. They aren't too bad there. They'll have a good time up at Cedar Lake. The fans love them up there. Jason, thank you for taking time out of your busy day because I know you're going to be going up there here tonight. Uh, appreciate it, man. Awesome, Suave. Anytime, buddy.